Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Man, I think even um, even what was been spoken to, uh, this weekend and what's happening even in this house, um, I don't feel it's coincidence um, about these dreams. I believe that God is going to open up the heavens more for that. So just receive that. I believe even what I'm going to share, even though it's still part of my series, is so right on. Uh, I was part of the roundtable for a few sessions, and some of these prophetic people, they went around the room and said what they, they shared what they felt like the Lord was saying to them. And it went a lot of lines is what I'm, what I'm going to speak actually today. So uh, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. We've had a two-week pause in our uh, series, uh, but I'm doing that on purpose because I, I want to take my time with this. Amen? I don't want to just uh, rush this and say, oh, well, this is, you know, three chapters in Matthew, and, and I don't even know if I'm going to go through all, all of it, I just, I, but I, I feel grace to at least really harp on the Beatitudes because it's so important. And I'm not going to give you a lot of review, but I will say this, that, uh, you know what, actually a test. Let me see if you could test. Now, don't cheat on me, okay? So don't look at your Bibles right now. What is the first Beatitude we talked about? Don't cheat. Look straight at me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? For, theirs is, for, for they shall be called the sons of, of, of God. Right? I mean, the, the kingdom of heaven. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What, what I got to test myself, right? Right? Who, what's right after poor in spirit? Now, we, told, we said poor in spirit is what? A bankruptcy to realize that we cannot give anything good other than the, the goodness of God in us, which produces dependence. That's a good thing, right? Yes? Okay. What's right after poor in spirit? What does poor in spirit produce in us? Mourning. And mourning is a spiritual mourning, a spiritual repentance that causes our hearts to be rent, and then we will be comforted. And comforted means a refreshing of the Holy Spirit, right? What's after, what's after those that mourn? Meek. Are you guys looking at the Bible? <laughs> All right? It produces repentance, produces meekness. How many of you have truly repented for something? Like truly, truly repented. And you, not condemnation, like, Lord, I've asked for forgiveness in this. The result of right after repentance, there's a softness about you. There's a meekness about you, right? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, right? Then it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not just for God, for righteousness, for they shall be filled, right? That was the fourth one. The fifth one is what? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And we said an illustration that if any reason why we need to be merciful to others is because we need mercy. Amen. And that this leads us to uh, Matthew chapter, uh, Matthew chapter um, five verse eight. Are you ready? Let's read that together. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Say that one more time. Blessed. Come on. They shall. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I want to tell you what I believe through eyes of revelation that this means. I believe, now you got to hear me now, that as you and I surrender to the principles of the word of God and allow it to strike your heart and take out the things in your heart when it comes to integrity purposes and when it comes to the things that we see in here. Watch this. I believe that as we surrender to the word of the Lord concerning what is in our spiritual heart, 
and put the right things in our spiritual heart. Hear me now, because this is going to be the bulk of the revelation of this scripture. I believe that what Jesus is saying here is not that we're only going to see him when we die. I believe that what Jesus is saying here is not only blessed are those who have a pure heart. One day when they die, they're going to see Jesus. I believe that that is true. But I believe that if we allow the word of God to deal with areas of our heart in the area of purification, that we will begin to see God as he truly is on this earth while we're alive without the filters of our experience. Hello. That we will see Jesus like he truly is without the filters of our own experiences. Can I just pause for a second? Every one of us in this room, though we are serving Jesus and worshiping Jesus, I guarantee you we are seeing him differently today in this room right now some of you see jesus as a uh, as a person that hurts you in your past church you see jesus as someone that is very religious and very rigorous and he's he's not loving or you see jesus as just this floaty person uh, that just kind of loves everything that you're doing and he'll never correct you and he's just come over here and some of you just think that jesus is someone that will never correct you some people see jesus like they see their father you know, I've said this before, but there's a lot of new people here, like, like especially Latino fathers. You know where you're going to get. Some people see Jesus with a belt in his hand, waiting, waiting for, for you to mess up so he could. When, when most Spanish fathers have that curl lip and they have one hand on their belt, you know that the belt's coming off, right? They're like, would you say, huh? Huh? Would you say, no, papi, no. You know that belt's coming off. <laughs> some people see everybody say see jesus as a person waiting to correct them and and seeing jesus as they always fail him some people see jesus as their abuse or as a listen as someone that is super far in distance now why am i saying this please don't get distracted please don't get distracted if someone's talking next to you, tell them to stop talking, please. This is important for me and it's important for the Lord. Watch this. Watch this. I'm going to continue because I believe that Jesus meant that the pure in heart would see God like he is here while we're living on the earth. Put this first slide up here. Watch this. Being pure in heart means seeing Jesus as he really is. I'm going to put a little quotation mark. Without the filter of our own experience. Say this with me. Being pure in heart means seeing Jesus as he really is without the filters of our own experience. Isn't it true that we all have experience produces how we see things? Experience produces expression. I, I remember, for, I said this story years ago when I was a youth pastor, but obviously there's a lot of new people here. I remember this is a true story. I was embarrassed, and God sent me a, a, a sermon and a and a and a principle out of this, what happened to me years ago, I got uh, my new house at that time, actually the house that we were living in, and I didn't know a lot. I'm not a handy person, unfortunately. 
I mean, I really am the person that's standing, like, holding the ladder, and my wife is on the ladder. Like, I'm, I'm the guy who's like, do you want, a, you want a hammer? Okay, here comes a hammer. Here you go. Make, I'm holding the ladder so it won't fall down. So I'm not handy. I, I, when I try to be handy, I mess things up real bad. So my wife's like, don't do it, babe. I'm like, I, one time I painted the boards in my house. I'm like, I got this. Don't worry about it. I painted the boards, and every, bo- every nail was, had a, a patch. Like, you could see a patch, 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 patch. I'm like, what's happening? They're like, you used the wrong thing. You see, you paint, not that. So I said, okay, I don't do that. Anyways, my point, my point in saying that is I remember, because I'm not handy, uh, after six months of getting the house, it was hot in my house. And I was putting it all the way down. Like, it was like 60-something degrees. And it was like 95 degrees in there. I'm like, so, you know, me being unhandy, I was like, oh, somebody messed up in the building of this house. <laughs> it's not my fault. How dare it be my fault? Watch this. So I called the person. I blew up their phone. They said, sir, they said, sir, if we come to your house, there is a filter there. There's a filter there. I don't see it. You guys messed up. There's no filter here in this house. It's hot. You guys need to come. It's still in the warranty. This is a true story, right? I'm calling the person. They said, okay, if we go, it's $75 just for us to go. I don't care. You need to come out. There's no filter here. I can't see. I put, you know. So the guy comes in. The guy comes in, he opens the garage, and he's, he, I could tell he's a little ticked off. He's like, I'm like, look, it's hot. Yes, he goes, yes, I know that. I go, there's no filter. There's, uh, have, he goes, have you changed a filter? There's no filter. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He grabs, <laughs> he grabs the screwdriver, and it was one of those things that you had to unscrew because, you know, that thing. And, and he, he unscrews the big AC panel, takes it off, and there was a filter, and he took it out, and it was all dirty and black. I go, Oh. And he goes, do you have a hose? I go, yes. It's out. By that time, I'm feeling this small, right? Now, now this, 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 this is a principle of the story. He goes outside, pours, pours, opens the faucet to the, to the hose, starts washing, washing the filter with the water of the word. I mean the hose. And he's washing. Literally, it took 30 seconds. He goes, shh. And all that gucky, black, uh, um, messy, uh, cottony stuff just fell right off. And listen, he put it on the other side, fell right off. Just water. It, wasn't, it was water. That's all he did. He put it back. I'll never forget. He put it back, put the things in. The, he put the AC down, and immediately I could feel the AC coming on. And he goes, that will be $75, please. <laughs> you know? I'm like, I learned a lesson. That the Holy Spirit said to me, literally, as he's going off, I felt so embarrassed. And he said, and he said, he said this to me. He said, just because you are ignorant of something doesn't mean that there's not something that you don't need to address. Just because you're ignorant of something does not mean that there's something that you do not need to address. And I realized that I was ignorant that there was a filter. And guess what? The Holy Spirit says, we view life through filters. We view life and Jesus through our filters. How many of us right now are loving Jesus, but we're seeing him through the filters that have not been changed, the spiritual filters? How many of us are seeing Jesus and we appreciate Jesus, but we have an image of Jesus that's not maybe fully Jesus? Maybe we're limiting the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives because we are not, we're refusing to change the spiritual filters of our heart because it's the filters of our heart that makes us see clearer. Now watch this. 
watch this, who Jesus is in this lifetime. Not just on the by and by. I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus like he really is. I remember years ago, I read a book uh, by Rick Joyner called Final Quest. I remember, how many know who Rick Joyner is? How many know Final Quest? Well, I remember that's one of the three books that really changed my life when I first gave my life to the Lord. And I remember in the book, he's having a series of visions that is purifying his heart. Literally, in the journey, he's seeing all these visions, all these uh, things that are happening. And while he's happening, this is happening, he's talking to the Lord. And while he's talking to the Lord, the Lord's showing him what's happening in his heart, what's happening in the body of Christ, and all these, you know, vultures, vomiting on people and that was symbolic of gossip uh, being poured out from the, the own brethren to the other people as well and he said this is the gossip of the church is the the vultures of vomit so all this analogy right so through this book he's actually being changed and he's dealing with things in his heart now watch this this is glorious at the end of the book i'd never forget this i was like in tears at the end of the book the lord appears to him again watch this now and as he appears to Rick Joyner, there's this brilliant light, brighter than the sun. And in the book, he says, Lord, I can't even see you while you're speaking to me. What happened? What changed? He said, son, I've always been this brilliant. I've always been this powerful. I've always been this magnificent. It's not me who changed. It's you who changed and are seeing me for who I really am. He says, you've allowed me to cleanse your heart. And now you see me. Like I really am. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Why is the heart so important? Because it's, it inhibits us to see God clearly or it provokes us to see God clearly. Come on, say amen. And the word pure in the Greek there means katharos or katharos. Does that remind you of a word, anybody? Katharos. What does that word remind you of? Catharsis. Does anybody know what the word catharsis means? It means to be purified and clean. So that word, katharos, in the Greek has actually two meanings. It means to be clean. Watch this. This is by the Greek. By fire. To be purified by fire. Look it up in the Greek. Katharos means to be purified by fire. And the second word that katharsos means, means unmixed. Clean and unmixed. Oh, Pastor George is going to preach this morning. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the clean and unmixed in heart. And that word unmixed was given an example when I was reading in the Greek definition of water and oil cannot mix. There's certain things that a Christian cannot mix. And if we mix the wrong things, it will pollute our heart. And if it pollutes our heart for our own gratification, we will only see Jesus through the filter of what we are putting inside our heart. Could you, do you know that even how you see God determines how you worship God? Do you know how you see the image that you see of Jesus will determine if you will come close to him? Even sometimes I'm hard on myself and I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know if, can you love this? And, and I remember like just in, the, in the, um, the round table that we had with all these prophets, I was called in the middle and they prophesied. I won't give you the whole detail, but they prophesied stuff that, oh my God, Pastor Keith was there. It, about the trauma coming to RCC, the broken trauma, everything about our DNA. I'm like, oh my God. And then this one guy says, the one that guy says, says there's um, uh, this one lady goes, whispered and says, do you know in the movie Bambi? And I don't even, I don't even remember Bambi. I, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. You know, oh my God, you know. Yeah, I know. I repent later, but I, 
I've never seen Bambi. And, she, and she's whispering. She goes, she goes, you know how in the movie Bambi, I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, this person's a little off. Bambi, you know, what's going on here? I guess in the movie Bambi, there's a skunk or something. And Bambi calls it beautiful, calls it something good. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah, or flower, flower. Right? <laughs> she says, the Lord tells me to tell you, you may see the areas in your life as skunk, but he sees them as a flower. But do you see when you start shifting the way that you look, sorry, that way you act in your heart, you will see God clearly. But I'm going to give you a foreshadow. I'm going to give you a foreshadow. The more you posture your heart to get the right things in there, not only will you see Jesus more better theologically and biblically, but other people will see Jesus better in you. Now watch this. Watch this. This is key. The word uh, katharos also means uh, single heart, integrity, not double hearted. In other words, the pure in heart is also one who doesn't have false motives behind them. Does it mean that they're perfect? It just means that they don't have false motives. They're not trying to intentionally cheat on their taxes. They're not intentionally trying to lie. That is what pure in heart means. Now, this is the, 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 the thing that, um, you know, we are all human. That doesn't mean that if we're human, we're not pure in heart. Can I hear an amen? But this is a scary scripture that I'm going to share with you that I, that I believe is going to touch all of us. Everybody say amen. amen. Matthew 12, verse 33. We're going to look at verse 33 verse through 37, and it's going to be in the NLT. Matthew chapter 12. And, I, and I've read this before. We all read this. But, man, that last part that I read, when I read this, I was like, okay, i got to talk about this a little bit. Say, blessed are those who are pure in heart. Now, before I read the scripture, all right, Ask yourself, what are you or what have you allowed in your heart or what have you not dealt with in your heart spiritually, emotionally, from your experience that is st- causing you to see Jesus a certain way? Okay? Now watch this. Just think about this. Now this is the part where uh, actually my message is not going to be too long today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Everyone said, yeah, right. Matthew 12, verse 33. I can see the Lord convict them. I could hear them in their thoughts. Matthew 12, verse 33, 37, NLT. Watch this. Watch this. A tree, listen to this. We all know this, but please listen to this. Because I am tired of Christians proclaiming that they're Christians by their mouth and not with their lifestyle. But the lifestyle of Christianity does not mean that you're perfect. The lifestyle of Christianity means that you're actually trying to live out Jesus. Watch this. A tree is identified by its fruit. Oh, I love this. I love this. If a tree is good, watch this. This is key. Its fruit will be good. In other words, if you see in your backyard or wherever you're going and there's an orange tree and you see that there's certain parts of the branch that's producing really good oranges, you know what that is actually saying? That the root system is healthy. 
But if you go and you see a tree that has rotten oranges, we as Christians or believers in the spirit realm, we always focus on the outside and never dig into the root to figure out why is there a rotten orange. What we always do is we look at that tree and we say, I can't believe it. It's not producing good fruit. Let me cut that branch off. And if the tree could talk, is like, you fool, that you could do that all you want. It's not going to produce good fruit. Because good fruit comes from the good root system, a healthy root system, the heart of the tree. Look at this. If a tree is bad, it will produce bad fruit. <laughs> Let me just, this is actually a scary thought. If you see bad fruit in people, it's because they may have a wounded heart. Have a little mercy. Not that we tolerate that, but we always look after the symptom of a person instead of the root of a person. Why are they responding the way that they're responding to you? Why are they acting the way they're acting to you? Why are they doing whatever it is in their own life? In their own life. Now listen, don't blame everybody else for what's happening in your life. Take some responsibility in your own life. Amen? Now watch this. Look at the next verse. This is... We all know this, but that actually the last verse is actually a little shocking to me, all right? So hear me. Now, I didn't say this. this is Jesus, all right? So I didn't say this. This is a little gangster. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever is in your heart That's for everybody in this room, including me. No one here is exempt from this scripture. You're not more holier than others because you don't say something that other person doesn't say. The Bible says whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Now watch this. Now this, I used to kind of pause there and this, but the Lord said keep going. Now watch this. A good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And an evil person, an evil person, an evil person, that's actually a hard thing to say. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Now, here's where I kind of got shook up. And I tell you this, this is Jesus speaking. You must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Wait a minute, now look at verse seven, 37. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. The words that you and I say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now, I know there's repentance. I know that there's washing of the blood. But if there's no repentance, we are going to be judged by every idle word that comes from our mouth. Watch this. Watch this. Why am I harping on words? Because it's really not about words. Words is what's going to judge us in, in, to a degree, but it's what's in our heart that determines what we say. I used to say when I was a youth pastor, I used to say this all the time. I don't have to have a gift of discernment to know what's in your heart. Just let me hear you speak for 15 minutes, and what's in your heart will automatically come out. If I pull you in a corner and say, hey, what do you think about this person over here? Or what do you think about the church? Not that you don't have a right to say those things. But if I say, hey, what do you think about the Bible? What do you think about holiness? Hey, listen, hey, listen. I know this is a tough uh, t- subject. But is homosexuality bad? You know, or uh, is lust bad? Is anger bad? What comes out of your heart in the next 15 minutes as you speak will determine a lot what's in your heart. 
if there's a bitterness about you, about the person that you're talking about, there's maybe a sign that something is going on in there. Now, why do I say this? Because if, here, let me this. I believe the church needs to come into a fear of the Lord of what is in our hearts. Because in our, what's in our hearts is what determines what we say. Not only to the Lord, what we say to each other, what we say um, about the Lord, or what we say in our confession. We're going to be judged in, 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 in a, in, to a degree held accountable by the Lord, by what we say, by every idle word. That brings the fear of the Lord in my life. And so I, I just want you to know why we need to allow the right things in our heart. Listen, please hear me. Not so we could be religious um, uh, super giants. It's so that we can see. It's all about seeing God who, for who he is. I want to see Jesus clearly. I remember a prayer that Mike Pickle used to pray all the time that he used to tell us, well, tell the people how he would pray, and it gripped me. He goes, he goes every morning I ask the Holy Spirit, show me how Jesus feels about me. Do you remember that? Holy Spirit, show me how Jesus sees me. Then he says, Holy Spirit, show me how the Father sees me. Then he says, Holy Spirit, show me how you see me. And then I said, Lord, let me see you for who you really are, not through the filters of my past or of my, of my issues, right? Now, the heart, look at this next slide. I'm not going to be long. The heart in Scripture refers to a couple different things. What, I'm, I promise you I'm getting somewhere with this. I'm going to land the plane. The heart in Scripture, it refers to different things, right? Now, what I'm about to say, some of you guys may or may not know this, but the reason why the heart is so important and this beatitude is so important, because I'm going to tell you, I never really saw this until I started studying this. If you've been around Christianity for a long time, you've heard the term, you know, inner man and this, this in the Bible, your inner man, right? Do you realize that the Bible consists of the inner man is spirit, soul, and body, or your mind, intellect, and what? Your emotions? Everybody say this, your mind, intellect, and emotions, most theologians describe that as the entirety of the inner man. Right? Okay. Now, in Scripture, the heart is referred to all those things interchangeably. This is why this is so important. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes. But the first thing, not in any order, that the point that I'm going to make that sometimes the heart is referred to as emotions. Now, how many, how many of us um, get a little emotional sometimes? How many of us have, been, have struggled with emotional pain or emotional hurt in our emotions? Okay. Do you realize that that could also affect the spiritual condition of your heart? You know that what you go through emotionally can either harden your heart or it could actually soften your heart. Now, why do I say that? Good scripture here for you, right? Nehemiah chapter 2, verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 2. <clears throat> Uh, it says something really powerful. <clears throat> Nehemiah obviously was was in a in a, in a time and and uh, of, of of sadness because of the condition of the wall of Jerusalem uh, being broken down and Nebuchadnezzar coming. Look what the Bible says. Look, watch this. Therefore, the king said to me, which is Nehemiah, "Why is your face sad since you are not sick?" Nehemiah wasn't sick, but he was sorrowful. Now, watch. I'm going somewhere with this. This is nothing but sorrow of heart. Now watch this, sorrow of heart. Now physically, your physical heart can't be sad physically. It has, it has, uh, it has aorta veins, it has clogs or, has, or it doesn't have clogs. But spiritually, 
emotionally, this is what it's talking about. What is sadness? What is sadness? An emotion. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is an emotion. Anger is an emotion. Sadness is an emotion. And the king said to Nehemiah, why is your heart sad? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So the first point I want to make in scripture, sometimes a heart is referred to as your emotions. I could preach a whole message on that and not even go through the other two points. What is the condition of your heart emotionally? Has it been shattered because of a family problem? Do you see God differently because you are emotionally depressed and emotionally sorrowful? Is, is your view of God stuck in a certain area of your life or condition that perpetually happens, that causes perpetual hurt in your heart? Emotions. That's why I listen. Sometimes... Instead of keeping our emotions in check, we need to keep our heart in check. Because our emotions in Scripture has to do with our heart. If our heart is not purified, trust me, I know this, our emotions, watch this, are going to dictate something, which leads me to the next thing. Now, this is actually going to be a simple but mind-blowing because it's mind-blowing in the revelatory. What is our decision maker uh, in life sometimes? Uh, what makes us decide certain things? Have you, ever, have you ever heard someone say, hey, you made the decision from here, but you should have made it from here? Have you ever heard that? Or you know Jesus here, but you don't know him here. Do you know there's a lot of people that know Jesus here but don't know him here? They, they know Jesus intellectually, and they could quote scriptures better than me and better than anybody, but their heart is not there. Jesus said, you hypocrites, you, you honor me with your mouth, your mind, but your heart is far from me, right? Now, watch this. The decision makers that we make in our life, do you know that you can make a decision, an actual decision, based on your emotional state? I'm preaching. You're, 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 you're talking, you're acting too holy this morning. How many of you have made a decision that's not the wisest decision when you were emotional? So that means you can make a decision while you're emotional. See where I'm going at? See where I'm going? Heart, emotion. Do you know the second thing that you could make a decision is literally with your intellect, with your mind and your intellect. But you know what? Sometimes the Bible calls your intellect and thought life the heart. Are you ready for this? We all know this. Look at Proverbs chapter now, I don't fully understand this, but I'm going to read the, the scripture. I don't fully understand the scientific thing, conne- connection between your mind thoughts and your heart thoughts. Because your heart has intellect thoughts. Your heart has a capacity to lead you the right way or the wrong way. Sometimes you make a decision by faith because the Lord has spoken to your heart, but it makes no sense in your mind. I'm preaching good here this morning. Come on. Sometimes God will tell you to do something that doesn't make sense to your mind, but in your heart, you feel peace. But your mind is saying, this doesn't look good for me. But the Lord has confirmed to your heart. Now watch this, watch this, here it goes. Proverbs 23, verse 6. Why do we need to keep our heart pure? Because it involves our emotions and it involves our intellect and our thought life. Don't just renew your mind, renew your heart. Watch this, look at, look at this. Do not eat the bread of a miser. Look at this. Nor desire his delicacies. Let, let's say this together, ready? Let's say this next verse together when, it, when it's up there. And bam. There you go. Ready? One, two, three. 
For as he thinks in his heart, what? For as he thinks in his heart, wait a minute, thinks, thinks in his heart, so is he. You're not just what you eat, you're what you think. But sometimes it's not in only in your mind. It's the condition of your spiritual heart that's been bruised, that's been damaged, that's been gone through the ringer, and your emotions, listen to me please, are not healed, so you make unwise decisions based on the hurt condition of your heart. And now your heart is thinking for you. Sometimes when your heart is right, your heart thinks really good for you. Let me say that with me. The Bible says don't trust your heart because it's wicked. But when your heart is pure, you'll see God and you'll be able to walk in faith even without the knowledge of your mind agreeing with it. I heard a story years ago, and this is, I I read it. And there was a person, maybe you've read this before, that had a heart transplant, right? They were dying, and they needed a heart. Someone that had passed away had a healthy heart. They gave this person a healthy heart. And all of a sudden, this person that had a healthy heart started dreaming things that they never dreamed before. Started seeing people, listen to me, heart. Everybody say heart. Seeing people, describing people he's never met before in dreams. And he's seeing them and he's uh, reminiscing about them and as he's talking to the people and the donors and the family eventually years passed by uh, of this and researched it and described these people they described that what he was seeing was a family member a couple family members that were really special to the individual who had died and the memory of that loving person was etched in their heart listen listen He's going to write his name in your heart and his purposes in your heart. He's going to brand in his purpose in your heart. Why? Because he wants to bring healing to you. And if you don't get healed in your heart, you will make decisions sometimes that you will regret. Sometimes it's a battle between what your mind says and what your heart says. But make sure they're in agreement with what the Lord says. Amen. So sometimes the intellect is called, I mean, the mind is the intellect and uh, in our thinking. Right? And thirdly, watch this, the heart sometimes in Scripture refers to our will, our purpose, or our willpower. Do you know that we all have a will? Right? Jesus said, if it's possible, please take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not by my will, but by your will be done. So sometimes a heart in Scripture is referred to as your own will. The will of man. Look at this. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter 1. I was reading this the other day. When Daniel was with the, with, with the king and he was a cup, uh, I mean, sorry, he was, uh, he was um, in fasting and praying. And Daniel, they were going to give everybody the king's meat. And Daniel goes, I don't want the king's meat. I want to be consecrated. And the king goes, you know, and the assistant goes, you know that uh, I oversee all this thing. And I'm going to get hurt and troubled if you don't eat this. And he says, test us out. Watch this. Daniel, verse 8, 1 verse 8 says, Daniel, everybody say this with me, purposed in his heart. Purpose in his heart means I'm going to do this thing. It's, a, it's your execution of your own will. Do you know that you have a will? You don't have to serve God. God does not force you to serve him. Are you awake this morning? Look at this. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies nor with the wine which he drank. 
Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he may not defile himself. Actually, the story keeps going. But the purpose I'm saying is that Daniel purposed in his heart. So watch this. Our heart sometimes in Scripture, spiritually, refers to, our heart refers to our intellect, our heart refers to our emotions, and our heart refers to our will. Our emotions, will, and thoughts. Thoughts, will, and emotions. That's the entirety of our inner man. I want to read a, a, uh, a quote from, um, how many know who Martin Lloyd-Jones is? Martin Lloyd-Jones Jones is a, uh, is a uh, powerful, I have to read somewhere, um, he's a theologian that a lot of people uh, have quoted. He said, true Christianity is not simply a matter of reformed behavior. It is a matter of the spiritual condition of the heart. I want the worship team to come up here told you I'm doing pretty good. Praise God. We already had a good altar call this morning. We already had something that although we're a spiritual church, we can't judge a service by by altar calls only. If God does something in a service, take it, receive it. Can I hear an amen? There's two things. I'm going to close with this, but I want you guys to please listen because how then, if we're, how, how do we guard our heart? You know, there's, oh, there's these scriptures that sometimes if you don't do other research, you don't know how to do it, right? So what's one of the most famous scriptures of the heart in the Bible? Come on, someone quote it at me. Some, some of the most popular scriptures. Guard your what? With all diligence. For out of it, what? Okay, here's my question to you. Ready? Ready? How do you do that? Now, some people say, reading the word. Yep, that's true. Prayer. Yes, that's true. Worship, yes, that's true. But how do you guard it? Because it says guard, not just feed it. Because everything that I just said is feeding your heart, right? How do you guard your heart so that you can see, see God through your eye gate and through your ear gate? You guard what goes in your heart. Now, I understand experientially your heart can spiritually can be damaged. Your emotions can be damaged. If you go through a divorce or if you've gone through uh, molestation, if you've gone through something horrible as a child, your heart can be troubled. But what we allow through our eyes and what we allow through our ears can affect our heart in a very powerful way, good or a powerful way negatively. Because faith comes by hearing. So, Hearing actually produces faith. What we see with our eyes produces faith or produces doubt. Look at this, and I'm closing with this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 through 23. I didn't have a, a, a super long sermon today, but I just wanted to release this. Are you guys getting something this morning? I want to challenge us. To purify our hearts for one main purpose, church, is because you want to see Jesus rightly. Deal with the emotional pain. Deal with the heartache and the disappointment. Maybe that's a giant that needs to fall. Deal with the doubt, like I have had to deal with doubt. Deal with the anger, like I've had to deal with anger. Deal with it. But how do you guard? How do you guard? Here it is. Here it is. Matthew 6, verse 22, look at it, this. The lamp of the body, everybody say this with me. Actually, this is the Sermon on the Mount too. It's just a, a chapter later. The lamp of the body is the what? The eye. 
Therefore, if your eye is good, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, what you allow through your eyes will affect your heart, which in turn will help you to see God clearly. I've had to yield, surrender, repent, and do it, do it all over again so that I could see Jesus more clearly than when I saw him a year ago. I could, I could firmly say, my friend Stephen and I were canoeing yesterday, suffering for the Lord. The sun was a little bit, but we were canoeing, we were talking, and we both realized we are not the same men that we were just a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. He definitely is not the same. And I can see such uh, tenderness and even the way that he used to prophesy, he doesn't do that anymore because he's hurt. He's, he's put himself in a bad place with people. Listen, he told me that people see me as a hero. They see me as a hero, so I just don't want to do that anymore. They don't see my humanity. I'm a human being. What, why do I say that? Because all that is shifts of the heart that makes us see God. And then I remember after we were just talking, and then when I was looking at him, I said, man, you look, you look tired. He goes, I'm not tired. He goes, I'm just at peace. He was just like this. And we were eating palomia steak at Zaza's. I go, you're tired, bro. And he goes, no. And we share some, some really powerful moments. So the reason I say that is because he said, George, you're, you're not the same person that I met in 2013 at Reinhard Bunke's uh, ministry when we were doing stuff together to see a crusade here. What are you viewing through your eyes, church? What are you aligned through your eyes? What are you viewing through your eyes? What are you watching on television? What are the shows that you watch? I'm not trying to be religious on you. Thank you, Lord. I just, I'm just going to release that. One of the people in the, in, the prophet, in the room of the prophets, he looked at me. He says, there's people, there's a holiness streak in you. This is what he said. Do you remember that? He said, there's a holiness streak in you. Do you remember what he said? I want you to say it so that, so that, so they don't think it's me saying it. Do you remember? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's important that other people say it because if it comes from me, they'll say, oh, he's supposed to say that. He's... He said, don't let people tell you or convince you that when you're calling them into holiness, that it's religious because it's not. He said, the Lord tells me to tell you, I've given you a holiness streak in you. And other people have called that holiness streak religious. And he had no clue who I was at all. And I was like, okay, that has happened to me. I have felt that. But here's my point in saying this. The more we see God purely, the more we will long to be pure like him. The more we will long to call people into purity. And some people may say, well, Pastor George or this person, that person, he's just always trying to call people to purity. Well, what do you want me to call you to? I'd rather be labeled religious for the sake of calling people into holiness than be labeled the cool guy and then not calling people to anything. 
Watch this. Let's keep reading on closing. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light in you is darkness, listen, how great is your darkness? And then in another scripture where I won't go to, it says, be, take heed for what you hear. For in the same measure that you hear, it will be measured back to you. Now watch this. Rosie said it. What's the key to slaying the giant? Stop hearing and agreeing with the enemy. Hear the voice of truth. Watch this. Here's a good one that's going to cut you. Hear the voice of commit conviction to, dare I say, admit when you're wrong. And not when another person's wrong. Hear, hear the voice of God saying to you. Not just to your neighbor, to you. How can you change? How can I change? How do you guard your heart? How do you see God rightly? Watch what you see. You may think that's not affecting you. I guarantee it's affecting you how you see Jesus. And if I, if, if, if I, I've, I've counseled enough people to say this, it will affect how you see other people. What you allow in your eyes and your ears will affect how you see people and how you see God. And I'll end it with this story because I think it was good. And then we're all going to stand. I'm going to read this story to you because it was so beautiful. In my readings and in my studies and the Beatitude throughout the years, this is one of my favorite stories. It says, a Hindu trader in India, listen to this. He once asked a missionary, listen to this, a Hindu, Hindu man in India saw a missionary uh, walking and ministering for many months. And he came up to this missionary and said, what do you put on your face to make it shine? With surprise, the missionary man of God said, what are you talking about? I don't put anything on my face to make it shine. And his question began to lose patience and anger with the, with the Indian, uh, with the, with the uh, Hindu man. And he said emphatically, yes, you do. All of you who believe in this Jesus seem to have this shine. I've seen it in the towns of Agra and Surai, Surat, and even in the city of Bombay. Suddenly, the Christian looked, and his face glowed even more as he said this. And he said, quote, Now I know what you are talking about, and I'll tell you the secret. It's not something that we put on from the outside that makes us shine, but it's something that comes from within the heart and the reflection of the light of God in our hearts that make our face shine. How many want to see Jesus rightly? In your life how many want others to see Jesus in you identify what's going on in your heart right now come on stand close your eyes close your eyes right now we're just gonna worship we could all stand we're gonna close but I just I want us to just ask the Lord what is in my heart today you, Lord, for your mercy thank you for tuning in for more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.